Another three points in the bag, but the transfer countdown clock is ticking and Albion need to do some business. We'll be discussing the Borough victory, the final days of the transfer window and announcing a very special upcoming guest on this week's Baggies broadcast. Hello Baggies fans, my name is Johnny Drury and this is the Baggies broadcast. Alongside me, as always, is the ENS's main Baggies man, Mr Lewis Cox. Coxie, are you well? Did you miss me last very, week? Very well, Johnny. Missed you immensely, mate, at the Hawthorns. Yeah, the, the desk was, uh, the press box was empty without you, mate. And, I bet there was um, more food left to go around. <laughs> did you see my, um? <laughs> did you see my Instagram thing about the pie with the club? I did see you had a nice pie. Was it a Balti pie? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it also got in the way of um, me reporting on BCA's goal, didn't it? Just after half time. So, like, I I was still finishing up, you know, like pie in hand, you know, sort of mouth full. And then, you know, 60 seconds into the restart, get a goal. So I'm kind of, you know, fingers messy with like Balti remnants. And then I got to smash the keyboard. But yeah, I'd say. You know, all in a day's work. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm trying to think what the... Um, I'll tell you what the meal was uh, before before the game, mate, that you missed. It was piglet pie. So... Oh, that sounds... sounds yeah, good. pork, but of, of, of the baby pork variety. Um, oh, it was nice, mate. A little chocolate brownie as well. You, uh, Oof, you picked... Oh, really you didn't just, that, yeah. you didn't really just miss that, six yeah. goals, Johnny. You yeah. missed out on the culinary scene as well. Yeah. I know uh, we'll get the, the, the proper chat out of the way first. I know some Albion fans will be loving this, but some Albion fans will be going, what are you talking about food? What are you talking about food for? This is a football podcast. Right, we'll, come on, we'll come on to that. We'll come on to that. But a good weekend all round for Albion, in terms of result. I was keeping an eye on the score. I was walking on the beach at the time, refreshing live score. And Coxie's Twitter feed, looking for some capital letters when Albion scored. Luckily, there was quite a few. Um, and we've got a lot to discuss from that Borough game. Plenty of talking points. Um, we've got deadline day to discuss, which is coming up on Friday. It's going to be a busy 48 hours um, for those down at the Albion. And we've also got a very special guest announcement to come up. We cocked you. We're going to keep it under wraps till later in the episode, but it's going to be a good one, isn't it? We have. We have. We had a good... Is it, uh, is it, is it, is it, is it Albion's new right back? Or? It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not a new sign-in, unfortunately. It's not an exclusive uh, of the new sign-in. A few exclusives yeah. in there, though. Um, but yeah, wait and see to the end of the podcast. We'll have a bit of a bit of a chat about that one for an episode. We're going to bring you in the uh, the quiet days of the international break, which is coming up. But we'll start with Middlesbrough four two win for Albion back to back home wins. The home record continues to be ridiculous. Um, in stark contrast to the away form. Um, but just some talking points, really, Cox. You're just catching up on the game, catching up on the highlights. Um, just want to talk system again, really, because we've seen this three four three adopted by Carlos in, in the last few weeks. Um, utility man, jack of all trades, Matt Phillips again at left wing back. It seems to be something that Carlos might stick with now for the foreseeable future because it seems to be working, certainly at home. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I, I mean, the the home form un, under Carlos go around full stop, as you touched on, is is immense, isn't it? And um, it's a relief. It's it's a great thing that it's carried on into this campaign. You never know, do you, when a new season wings its way around and things, you know, form sort of tips up and, you know, gets into reverse and we might have seen good away form. But no, um, the Hawthorns remains a fortress. Uh, the record under under the head coach is, you know, 
extremely impressive. Um, just got to, they've got to sort that out on the road, haven't they? I mean, the points at Leeds, we were both there up at Ellen Road, weren't we? And um, it was a welcome point. Yeah, Leeds were the better team, which I suppose in itself is is a bit of a concern, albeit they're a big hitter just down from the Prem. So, um, you know, at the minute, Leeds have a, have a better, stronger squad, you'd say. But, you know, Albion were resilient enough for a point that night. Um, I know we're not on the road, are we, until after the international break? Well, well, I'm not. Um, I am, you're the, not. Otherwise engaged. Yeah, I suppose that's one way of putting it, isn't it? Um, nice pod, nice pod. Yeah, yeah, intended. Um, but you are, and yeah, so, what is it, Bristol City and then Watford, isn't it, in the space of a few days? Yeah. Um, yeah. Time to, to re- you know, we Albion cannot be walking away from, from Vicarage Road in, in midweek with just a point to show from those two or, or nothing. So that will be addressed. Obviously, the squad will be assembled by then. So I think that's that's important to point out. You know, the head coach will have his, his full troops assembled. You know, we, obviously, we don't know about fitness, but those, those positions, he, positions he ideally wants filled. I think, you know, Jeremy Sarmiento, Josh Madger will be, should be, will be up to speed to start by then. I mean, Sarmiento is now. It's just a case of selection. Um and the system, as you, as you touched on, Johnny, it's yeah, I think it's I think it's working for now. It's interesting that we're seeing Phillips um, there over Townsend, isn't it? It's, it's interesting. Clearly, it's a it's a hugely attacking move, um, and perhaps it just balances out that three centre halves. You know, that extra security in the form of another centre back. Obviously, between Yukushlu and Malumbi, that's that's two midfielders. Certainly, one of the two will will be a screen. Will will protect. And um, and Corbin obviously feels he can sort of, as he would say, unbalance the game. And you know, in, let's face it, in Darnell Furlong on the other side, that's a defensive wing back. You know, he's not. You know, long throws aside, which are proving very, um, you, you know, a real threat. Furlong isn't perhaps offering the most in terms of going forward from from open play. That's no secret. But Phillips on the other side certainly is and continues to. And and honestly, Johnny, again, he was popping up in all kinds of. You know, there was there was one chance. Those those that were there will will picture it. I don't know if you've seen the highlights, but there was one chance. You know, Phillips darts on, onto a loose ball. He finds himself in the right forward role, and sends a great effort just wide across goal. And you're thinking, you left wing back lad. Well, you know what? It's um, yeah, it's 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 working for him. He's he's been brilliant at the start of the season. Got a lot of praise last week, didn't he? Um, pre Borough from from the head coach, um, Corbyn was speaking really highly of him after Leeds. And I, I did just worry, you know, I hope we don't curse him. I hope he doesn't, you know, throw in a stinker or or pull up injured, you know, as as has happened previously. But um, no, he continued flying. And um, yeah, really making a few sort of take note, isn't he? Stand up and take note. And we've mentioned before on the pod, haven't we? A big season for, for Phillips and, and others in terms of contract situation. Obviously, we know the finances behind it. But yeah, as I said, Phillips is clearly out to impress. But I think... He, he's just a professional that when fit and available and playing always you know is always giving his all and you know not not throwing it in and not trying to play well and impress so I'm delighted it's coming off for him and uh, yeah this role seems to be working doesn't it and it's it's working for a few I'd say I know we're going to get onto another player aren't we um who's had a strong start to the season I'd say the Corbrand's been speaking about so so yeah it was a good win though Johnny like I, I'm glad you were you were busy sort of reaching for your phone on that on that dog walk whatever you oh, were doing you know getting your, your your notifications and alerts um yeah at 3-1 uh against 10 men 
it should have been playing sailing, but that doesn't it doesn't happen like that, does that's it? Not. As, as we all as we all know. That's when <laughs> things become tricky. Yeah, that's uh, that's not Albion. Little clue on who our special guest announcement is going to be. He spoke very, 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 very glowingly about Matt Phillips and has managed Matt Phillips. Um, so mm. there's your first little clue. See if you can work it out before the, the end of the episode. Lewis was referring to, I hopefully referring to, um, Cedric Kipper got himself on the score sheet. Um, has found himself back in the side after returning from a loan spell at Cardiff. Seems to be Corbrand's man. You know, he wants to play that way out from the back. Seems to be growing into that. Certainly, you know, chipping in with goals, although I will ignore the the blatant push in the lead up to his uh, superb volley. <laughs> I saw that um, live. I saw that live because it was down our end. And um, I, I, live, I thought, oh, that looked a bit, you know, if the ref was right there on that, I think that could have been given. But the sort of colleagues in the press box just saw it as a bit of, you know, one of them where you just give it a sly one and, you know, a player's sort of about to jump and he's sort of unbalanced. I'm not sure it was strong enough. To but then it's one of them, you look at what, you know, it won't be long before they start booking players for far and before long at the moment because <laughs> the amount of yellow cards that have been given out this season. So, you wow. Would, you wouldn't be surprised. You've lowered the tone there, Johnny. Yeah, apologies. Apologies. <laughs> Toilet humour. Um, but yeah, a good, you know, another growing into it from Kipra. But just on that as well, you know, he scored a great goal, as did John Swift. And now we've spoke endlessly about John Swift on this podcast because of the reputation he came with. You know, he was the talisman at Reading. Um, I think we all think we'd expected a lot more from him, even though he does create an awful lot of chances for Albion. That's what Albion fans have been sort of waiting for, isn't it? It's the first real time we've seen Swift sort of, you know, open up like that, drive through defences. You can argue that Middlesbrough just failed to close him down, but he took that goal tremendously well. And that's what he's got in his locker. I think that's the fr- where the frustration from some fans lies, that yeah. they want to see him doing that. He's not going to do it every week, but they want to see it a bit more. And, and we saw it and then some on Saturday. Yeah, the strike was brilliant. I mean, it, yeah, clearly it looked great live, but it wasn't until the replay, Johnny, actually, that... Um... Mm. You couldn't quite see live until until certain replay angles, but such as his technique, there was considering the power he got on it, trajectory, you know, top corner, there was such minimal backlift. It's incredible. Yeah. Defender suddenly it on him, so strike. he needs to get a shot away. And he still like rockets it into the top left corner. Brilliant, brilliant. And um it was a great move actually. And it's funny you mentioned Swift and Kipra, because Kipra didn't feed him with the exact pass, but Kipra played it forward um through into midfield from the yeah he did into Malumbi or or maybe Okai uh into a midfielder then onto Swift and um it's a good little example isn't it of of a center half who can look after the ball who can pick a pass well it was as well Coxie it was and Albion have been critical of I've been critical of Albion doing this you know in the last probably two or three years probably since South Village you know you get the ball at the back you want to play you're playing it safe, playing it cross sides, clip it down the channel. But Kipra's looked there. He had three or four different passes on and he's played arguably the, the most difficult one in there, which could easily be cut out. He's fired it in with pace and then the next move has gone on to Swift and he's scored. And I think that's yeah. what Albin have lacked, certainly in these two seasons in the Championship under Bruce and, and, and Valerian Ishmael, um, where they haven't played that, like you said, their cocky brave pass. Yeah, and, like, and that's yeah. what they need more, and that's what it looks like. Corbrand's been asking his centre halves to do, and if they keep doing that, they'll create more chances like they did on Saturday. It's exactly what um, Corbrand has, has highlighted and praised Kipra for, um, and others at times earlier this season. Certainly, when Kipra had it rough at Blackburn, which we'll get onto, but showing that sort of 
bravery, I suppose, personality and character to to look for the right pass. You know, if Corbrand's holding a little training session and drilling drilling his players, I've seen it. He that will be the pass he demands. You know, nothing side, um, nothing safe. If there's if there's an opening there through the lines, take it. And and that's that's the point, isn't it? It can split a midfield. One more ball, as then happened to Swift, and and you're on the front foot. Obviously, you know, regards Swift, it still still takes him to to open his legs up and get actually you know moving, and then obviously that magnificent end quality. But the chance doesn't come about without Kipras starting it off, no. does he? And that that was another part of another top performance from from him. Um, but we'll stick with Swift for now, and just yeah, um, great goal, exactly what we need to see more of it's unrealistic to think that kind of stuff's going to happen every game isn't it but he, he's his delivery um at reading and output in terms of numbers was obviously superb and we need to see more of that he said himself didn't he at the back end of last season he was he was disappointed with his with his sort of goals and assists and things and and actually i thought his celebration was quite telling after after that goal it it, it seemed to really really um mean a lot to him didn't it he, he really gave it some in the celebration some great pics of him Sort of flying onto his backside, roaring into the into the sky, and you could tell it meant a lot. So yeah, I, I was chuffed for him. Um, I can understand the point about the frustration because we all left thinking, well, you can do that. That's what you've got. Mm. We know you've got it. Um, so and and um, I don't know if you've seen them yet, Johnny. I, I imagine you have, and and hopefully um, listeners have too. Uh, Carlos Corbran's words um, in the Express and Star today, as as we're speaking Wednesday, speaking about Swift, isn't he? And um, that was from after the game, and I just asked him about about him, and he 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 basically said this is what Swift needs to do, and he wasn't on about the run or the shot. He was on about his overall play in terms of energy, and we've had this conversation, haven't we? And I I was I was going to actually uh, follow it up with with Corbin, but we had to sort of get onto other things and wrap the press conference up. But just how he, you know, because as we've touched on, Swift is one of those stylish sort of number 10 creators isn't isn't he some would call him a luxury player so you don't sort of expect that hard running we've said it before haven't we so I think he has got that bite in him though he has got that little bit not yeah. a fuse but a little bit of bite I think so which physically he has got it even though we don't see it yeah you're right and and maybe that's what's what Corbrand's saying today you know he's saying Swift is at his best when we see him with that energy and intensity which we don't usually yeah we, we don't um, we don't think that when we think of John no. Smith, do we? We don't think that's his that's his game, but but Corbrand certainly does. And it sounds like, you know, Corbrand won't suffer John Swift or any player in his team without that levels of of intensity and energy. We know Albion are in obviously in the market these final few days um, for an attacker. We expect be it be it a, a ten or a versatile one that can do ten and wide. So. Perhaps in that Tom Rogic mold, you know, mold from last season, someone who can come in and really push Swift and and make a difference. Obviously, Rogic was unable to do, but um, yeah. So with the likes of Sarmiento, obviously Phillips flying, Jed Wallace, not so much flying. You know, Swift and Wallace really could find themselves, you know, having to having to battle for the, for their spots. And Swift needs to show more of that. Clearly, Corbran is looking for more of that output. Um, both in terms of product, but but energy and intensity, and um, and yeah, he, he, some of his quote, quotes were quite clear, weren't they? You know, I, I won't suffer basic levels. You know, I'll only suffer the the, the top self demands of players. That's that's what they need to be pushing themselves to. So yeah, um, 
set himself a bit of a mark, I would say, as I say, not just with a fine goal, with the overall display. Um, and needs to try and continue to get there. But it was encouraging. And Kipra, um, yeah, I, I go along with what Carlos said. I think it, responding to Blackburn, Blackburn was awfully difficult, wasn't it? To to do that on the opening day, in the opening half, um, in the, the manner of having, what well, seconds after uh, one goal conceded, wasn't it? And then for that to happen seconds later, that can be a real sort of bombshell to her. I think if you look in hindsight as well, you got into that Blackburn game, you know, Blackburn, good championship side. Mm. Albion's, Albion have been deploying this, playing out from the back in pre-season. But if we look at their pre-season opponents on paper, there's no disrespect to League One and two teams, but it's a completely different kettle of fish from a Blackburn side who on paper are probably a top 12 championship side. It's gonna, It was going to take time. As much as yeah. we were all frustrated yeah. and a bit annoyed, as if to say, what the, what on earth's going on on that first day? You know, even at times against Swansea, where they looked, you know, all over the shop at the back, albeit in small doses. Um, it's going to take time, isn't it? But we're seeing, and I, yeah. I saw, you know, we're very tight and close knit in the media um, with BBC Rob, uh, BBC WM's Rob Gurney and Joe Chapman, and, and I saw, I think it was Joe mentioned something after, um, after the win on Saturday that this Albion team will be more akin to what they were like under Slavin Bilic, where it was conceding yeah. goals, but also scoring goals. And then, if you want to, and if you want to go back even further than that, if you look at the season where Albion were promoted under Tony Mowbray in 07-08, mm-hmm. there were times where Albion were awful at the back. They were winning games 4-3, 5-3, 3-2 but they were entertaining and they were scoring a lot of goals. Granted, that front line, and I think that team man for man were better than this one, of course. And you could argue the Slavin Bilic team, you know, on paper. But you would rather that than trying to grind one nils or what we've seen in the last two years, which has been under Valerian Ishmael, Albion defensively fantastic. In the end, it was as dry as dry can be going forward. Then under Steve Bruce, he sort of let the shackles off a bit and for a period... They did look more attacking, more threatening. Um, that vanished at the start of last season. But, well, not vanished, but, the, you know, it sort of Hope dwindled away. Run, Whereas now, you would, rather, you, you would rather turn up at the Hawthorns knowing we're going to concede today, but we've got goals in the team. You know, that's that's seven yeah. goals in the last two home games. Yeah, and it's you not... Know, eight it's goals not, three. It's not... I was going to say it's not bad defending. What, what we're talking about is the style of players, isn't it? And... Um, uh, and working it out from the back. And and I would add as well, Johnny, we, this isn't a, a new sort of pre-season experiment. You know, we saw this last year. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't as um, pronounced last no. season when Carlos came in and perhaps the style was sacrificed a little bit for the need of results, certainly early on. Yeah, clearly results were needed early on. Yeah. But um, but there's also a point, isn't there, that he's had the whole pre-season to, to obviously work on the yeah. way he wants to play. So we're going to see it more more now he's he's had the time to drill drill the players but I you know I recall several games last season where we were seeing Palmer or Griffiths you know pass it to yeah, defenders yeah. inside their own box and and there'd be heart attack moments and final you know on this 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 is I think English football in in, in general I would say whoever whoever you support bar maybe City or maybe even including City if you include their previous generation fans 
whenever a keeper passes it to a colleague in his own box and there's a heavy touch and they get closed down, there's panic in the stands. It's not just Albion, yeah. it's any club. Even if you've got Ruben Diaz doing it with Edison, you know, um, it will draw panic because that's just the nature of football fans. Like, so um, obviously Albion, you know, Albion don't have Ruben Diaz in their back line. Although Kipper will give him a run for his money, won't he? And I'm sure Alex Palmer will give Edison a run for his so money. In the goal scoring department. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I think there's a good point to be made of, you know, let, let's try and sort of not get, you know, not, not get too het up and bothered and on, on the backs of players when it goes on because. The City yeah. point is really relevant there, Coxie, because if you think back as well, and Albion fans will be thinking, why are you comparing Albion to Man City? But if you look when when Pep Guardiola went in at Manchester City as a goalkeeper, he bombed off Joe Hart and he brought in I can't remember the keeper he brought in. He was a real short yeah, yeah, keeper yeah, yeah, because yeah. he wanted to play out from the back. And City, sit yeah, Claudio Bravo. City yeah, give yeah. away so 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 many goals early yeah. on, and I think Bravo didn't last long, but they carried on playing that system and it worked. And to an extent, the ideologies or the you know the method or you know compare what you will. That's sort of similar to Alvin. It just that needed time and it worked. And you know, look what they've gone on to do. I know they're a completely different entity, but it's that time, isn't it? It's that patience, and, which yeah. doesn't always is not always allowed in football anymore. And and also, Johnny Guardiola with that when he came in, whenever it was, um, just under a decade ago, a bit less. Um, he, he, I'm not saying it was all him. I'm sure there were others before him. Um, although maybe not as extreme, he he brought the style to the game, and now it's not just a Premier League thing; it's a Championship thing. Mm. You know, we watch lower league games, don't don't we? Obviously, I previously did. You more than me. There are clubs below Albion in the pyramid that that will try the same style because modern day head coaches uh, have sort of had their football in education with this style. Um, way of, it well, way of, you know. way in. yeah, yeah. And I'm not, I'm not. Look, I'm not saying I agree or disagree with it. I'm just accepting that that's how football is now um I, I won't give anything away but our guest who we're we're sort of keeping under wraps um it was when we recorded that yesterday it was touched on wasn't it johnny um about sort of style and, and the modern way that's of playing a, that's a huge clue that is that's yeah, a massive is. clue yeah 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 well so if you're struggling <laughs> now if you're struggling now listeners then you know yeah. you're struggling but um yeah it, it it's relevant because it it's changed massively hasn't it the idea ideology and um what's relevant between the previous generation of managers so there's another clue and and i suppose the current um it just changed massively and um how many championship teams are there now that don't don't play that sort of short way at the back there won't be many you know there'll be the the odd ones further down who still look to look to lump it and get in the channels and stuff i mean on that, Albion welcome Neil Warnock to Huddersfield on Saturday, don't they? <laughs> um, but yeah, you know that that that's the way, and that's that's what Carl Corbin believes in, and and he made a point after the game actually that um, look the reason we do this is not for the sake of it and to mess around and take unnecessary risks in defence and to concede goals. The reason we do this is to create chances, and yeah, yeah, you know, you know I mean, I, again, I'm not saying if I. I agree or disagree with it because I I think there's a I think the answer is a middle ground. That's that's the only answer for me. But um, yeah, that that's obviously what what the modern head coach sees in it. Yeah, just to finish off this conversation because I, I hope fans find it interesting. Well, at times, you know, certainly 
probably um, Christmas onwards, you know, form dipped a little bit, you know, coincided with different things. Matt Phillips got injured, Daryl DK got injured, whatever. Um, but some, I've seen some fans sort of accuse Corbyn of being quite conservative, quite a conservative manager trying to nick games. But what we've seen in the opening, certainly the home games, um, and well, all of them really, is something completely different. Albion are willing to go, not gung-ho, but they want to go and score goals. But like you said there, Corbrand, Albion are playing this way to create chances. And I think what Corbrand's probably, you know, this is completely my theory and I don't know what goes on in his head, but he's probably accepted the fact that Albion are probably going to concede a high number of goals this season than they did last season, but they're going to yeah. go and score more goals. And it's that entertainment <laughs> factor. And I don't think, I don't think fans at the moment can really label him with that that sort of conservative tag because no. of, of, of the, you know, the, the way that they've gone about it. Perhaps if the, you know, if fans may say, well, there's three centre-halves, effectively a five at the back, although it's not really, is it, with Phillips playing? And then they might say we're two more defensive-minded midfielders and, and the setup is, you, you might say, more defensive than offensive, although it, it's not as black and white as that, is it, clearly? Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I, I agree with what you just said. I, I don't know it to be true, but I can see value in it. I think look, if, if, you, <laughs> if you're setting up this season and you want your first choice 11 to be more solid, more solid, I, I don't know what I'm trying to get at here, quite the words to use, but I think there's a world, isn't there, where Kyle Bartley's selected in the 11 to head everything away or to, yeah. you know, to, to lump everything away. But clearly Kipper is the man. And you know, Corbyn's watched him last season, knows about his ability to use the ball. And uh, and, and even Peters, you know, Pete, I, I wouldn't say Peters has had a storming start to the season, but yeah, te- technically he's he's sound, isn't he? And, um, you know, you would say of the three Ajayi, he's less so. Um, obviously, his physical attributes are, are great. Um, he's someone that can use the ball, not as comfortable as, as, as Kipper and stuff. But yeah, you know, it's not a, it's not a, dodgy kind of physical defense is it it's it's there to to start moves and be pro- proactive productive from the back um but I, I go back to my, my main point at the top on this uh, you know we've seen enough games in the english football pyramid between us haven't we johnny um you know football fans are football fans and and when opposition <laughs> when when their defenders get near to giving the ball away in their own box it's gonna draw exasperate from the crowd and, and cries of get rid of it you know that's that's just going to happen maybe that only goes when the current younger younger generation i mean like teenagers and kids here are the majority of the football crowd do you know what i mean when when in generations time yeah. where this uh, short football is is all they've known maybe that's when you know the the dynamic and almost atmosphere regards how this is in stadiums will change maybe this this is a more wider sort of general point isn't it but i think it's an interesting one and um yeah i think we're, we're obviously we're sort of we're already used to it aren't we like i said we saw it last season but um yeah this season it looks to be sticking around and it looks to be meaning goals at, at both ends although as i said at my full-time tweet uh at the hawthorns on saturday a, a clean sheet wouldn't go amiss would it would it we're uh we're five games in all comps and a clean sheet hasn't looked particularly close, has it? If we're being honest, I mean it's it's been closest at Leeds, I suppose, and and even then, did Leeds hit the woodwork as well? I'm trying to remember. Oh, made that worldy, didn't he? Yeah. Um, 
obviously it was a reasonably late equaliser but yeah I mean I've said this probably for the last couple of pods but going into a final game before the international break and against opposition at home who are lowly with Albion there's full expectation on winning that game Saturday and it'll be disappointing if they don't Um, for my money it'd be disappointing if there's no clean sheet just to go into that break with um, you know because then once there's one it'll stop the likes of you and I saying that there isn't one you know and, and and dragging it on and raising it in press conferences and yeah it, like a clean sheet will just inject confidence into the back line and the keeper as well won't it and and fans yeah no absolutely one final quick very quick point because we've already done that for now we've got loads to talk about um jeremy sarmiento um twinkle toes magic feet scored a, a fantastic goal on, on Saturday. We saw first real, we've seen glimpses, but first real, you know, major point of what this boy can do for Albion this season. Yeah, yeah. It's the, um, hopefully it's the kind of loan you want, isn't it? Uh, a highly rated, highly rated player. I was going to say a highly rated kid there, but he's, is he 20, 21? Um, I don't think he's, he's not a teenager. And he's had, you know, he's had Premier League experience. So we're not talking about some totally untested 18-year-old here. I remember when Albin signed him and putting out a few things that the particular excitement around around this this lad. I, I remember seeing bits of him for Brighton last year and being very impressed. When when Brighton tend to play one of their young South Americans, you take note because you know they're going to be good, basically. And and you know we we saw as you say, Johnny, in his early cameos, a technical, technically gifted player who can. You know, roll his foot over the board, drive, not afraid to take players on. He's got a drop of the shoulder and a step over. And we just hope he had end product. You know, it, it, great to see and hear that that was his first professional goal Saturday because that's that's taking the next steps with the product, isn't it? And not just being sort of fancy Dan, being able to to deliver, you know, proof in the pudding. And um, what a finish it was. What a finish it was. And um, I was, I, I'm surprised he hasn't started yet, I, I must say. Um I'd like to see him start on Saturday. Uh, Corbran said he's ready physically to start. Um, so maybe the head coach sees that next step as just, you know, a 60 minutes in him before the international break. Could see value in that. Um, there's a funny old sort of saying in, in, in football, isn't there? It's I don't, it's not an old saying. It's it's something that's reasonably modern and it's uh, along the lines of don't fall in love with a lone player, isn't it? And no, um, I was just going to mention that next. Albion fans have been... Albion fans have been bitten as, oh, as much mate, as we've had our hearts broken um, far too many times. Yeah, far yeah, too many yeah. times to remember, um, mate. Yeah, I know, I know. So, um, you know, but that hopefully the the thing is, the real disappointment would be a Barnes esque situation, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, he's flying until Christmas, January, and then Brighton choose to choose to act. I I don't I see don't that myself. It. I don't think he did um, at the moment. No, well, I don't know. No, no. Um, and, and clearly Brighton's aim is for him to go. I think Deserby said, didn't he? He wants him to go and play 35 games, which which yeah. can happen. Um, I, I guess the only thing that would muddle that is if Sarmiento's scoring every week and Brighton get two in, two injuries, say. Well, I think like in that Barnes season as well, Leicester, Claude Puel took charge and Leicester were they needed not expect. They weren't yeah. expected to struggle. Um, I think they picked up a few injuries and they were struggling, so they brought Barnes back in, didn't they? Mm. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully don't, hopefully have our hearts broken at the end of the season and not. Well, on the flip generation. side of it, Johnny, you know, re- realistically, you know, this is a this is a player rated highly by, you know, yeah. he's given a new deal when he before the loan, so he, this isn't he has a good season at Albin and Albin are going to buy him. Yeah, even if Albin didn't have the financial perils and pitfalls, and even if they got up, you know, you you wouldn't bank on that. He's very no. much seen as Brighton's future, so. 
we can all, you know, obviously Dean Garner had his situation where he flew and and obviously joined permanently in the end. Like go back to Lukaku. Um, I mean, yeah, my memory's a bit fuzzy in in our old age, Johnny. But um, it, you know, you'll correct me if I'm wrong. It was never expected. Yeah, it was never expected that Lukaku was going to sign permanently. Don't think it, it was I, expected I, permanently, but I think he, no. he did. He was close to coming back. On, yeah, on, on yeah. another loan deal, and then yeah. Everton came in. So I think um, we can, you know, there the, are the loans, you know, from at, at this point, better off clubs, and we can just expect that. You know, he's just coming in to do us a favour. And, mm. and yeah, for eight, nine, ten months, we can fall in love and enjoy him. Um, but just be, be mindful that it's a, it's a temp one. Don't get your heart broken. Um, right, there we go. Plenty of Borough chat there for you. Um, we're going to rattle through some sort of news news pieces. Um, we're we're going to bring you a cat and toaster advert, the one you've all been waiting for. We've got a few questions and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap up. Um, and we'll bring you the podcast schedule for the next couple of weeks because old Coxie over here is uh, is going to get hitched in a week or so's time, and then he'll be flying off on his honeymoon. So we were going to be without him for a for a few weeks. Um, Coxie, Don't last week, us, Johnny. I know. Well, uh, luckily my other half didn't want to get married, so it's not going <laughs> to cost me an arm and a leg. He's um, you a bit of money, mate. <laughs> um, news last week. Uh, you know, it's been rumoured that Taylor Gardner Hickman might leave Arvin in this window. Um, as it's transpired, he's gone to Bristol City on loan. Um, the deal has got an option to buy in it. So if he does well at Bristol City, that's where he's likely to end up. Just your general reaction, really, Coxie. You know, we saw him in pre-season. Um, a lot of fans calling for him to play. Um, were you surprised? For me, I, was, I wasn't surprised by the loan move, but I was surprised maybe by the option to buy in there. Similar to that, the Zach Ashworth deal to Bolton. Yeah. Um, what's your thoughts on it now? Reflect on it a week on. I think Alvin are trying to put in place what they can for best financial deals. Now, listeners will scoff at that, at that and say 1.3 million pittance, um, which, yeah, in the grand scheme of football, it is obviously. Is it is it pittance in the context of Albion at the moment? No. Um, would we like a 21-year-old academy graduate who's played, probably played the best part of 50 games, has he? Most as sub, admittedly. But would we like him to go to a rival, a rival, sorry, a, you know, a league rival, club in the same division for more than that? Yeah, clearly. Um, but are we in beggars can't be choosers territory? You know, probably. Um, I think that's fair to say, isn't it, regards getting players out? You know, is it, the te- Taylor Gardner-Hickman wasn't in first 11 plans, as as we know. Um, he was what where in the pecking order of centre-mids below Chalaba, you know, the fourth or fifth. Um, Corbin had said he sees him as a, a bit of a 10 this season, someone who can play further forward. We didn't see him selected, did we? Played played in the, in, in the cup at Stoke. But, um, yeah, he, he spoke on it quite at length, Corbin, about this. this is what Taylor Garner Hickman needs and it's it's quite clear to me that this is what he needs. He can't stagnate and and not progress by not playing because he's not gonna, you know, you not you can only do so much in training. And um I think the head coach coach made that pretty clear. So no, I wasn't surprised about the loan at all. And and, and the finances, Johnny, are arguably the main thing, really. You know, you clear up so much a percent of, of his wage. And obviously it can go on on another. And that's that's what we've said. That's what we expect. Yeah, at least one deal to be able to happen. Certainly because of that, on the back of that, obviously there are a number light. So it needs replacing in the squad realistically. And Corban will look to replace him with an option 
where he, he made a point as well, Corbin. Midfield, we've got numbers, we've got options. You know, some fans may not like, you know, not particularly like the fact that one of them's Chalaber. Obviously, he's had his struggles. Um, but Corbin sees it as we've got we've got bodies. Now there are areas in our squad, clearly, it doesn't take a genius to work out where that don't have these options, that don't have this backup competition and it needs it, frankly. So so you had to act, you had to make the somehow make the money work that you can get one out. And Gordon Hickman's not been the only one in recent times this summer that Albion have been looking to to get out for a bit of you know a bit of funds. Um we've spoke about others. We've spoke about Dean Garner, we've spoke about Griffiths. Um you know there there may be one or two others. I don't really expect that, but look where we are, what in the final two days of the window now, three days and Said players haven't gone. Um, to it's me, a needs, it's a needs must, isn't it? But what yeah. ends me to think as well, you know, we've seen that Gardner Hickman has quality. Um, Corbran maybe hasn't seen it consistently enough, but there's obviously a reason why Corbran has been willing to let him go. And it's probably something we're not privy to or we don't see or, you know, he sees him every day on the training pitch. And we've, we've seen these players in the past, haven't we? People uh, at all clubs, fans call it the hardest player should play. He's done this, he's done that. But the managers work with them day in day out. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, sure yeah. I'm 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 pretty sure if Carlos Corbran saw thought Gardner Hickman could have a real impact this season, he wouldn't have let him go. Yeah, yeah. He if certainly wouldn't have put an option next, to buy it. Yeah, you know, next cab off the rank in terms of he's going to play in centre mid if Okoye or Malumbi aren't ready. He, he wouldn't have been let go. And if he no. if if he thought he was really pushing Swift to the point where it was touch and go, which one of them starts? I'd I don't think he'd have been let go and, and Albion wouldn't have to restock in that area. Um, but clearly he didn't. Um, I think I, we must, you know, had an honest conversation with Gardner Hickman and say, this is where I see you in terms of the, the squad and the pecking order. And and it's going to be tough for you to play as much as you want and need. So, but I think it's a deal that works for all parties in terms of the loan. But we can debate about the 1.3 million option to buy till the cows come home, can't we? You know, what what do we all think is worth? Is it a shame another academy players go in that we might regret in a few years? A la Samfield. Um yeah, well, I guess. Um but look, we, we've got to look at it in the context of the here and now, the the situation now where Albin are having to move players on still to bring in any sort of funds or get wages down to get someone else in. And so in Carlos Corbin, in my opinion, it's a it's, it's really an excellent head coach at the club who can do things here, whose hands are pretty much totally tied in terms of finances to get anyone in. So I don't think we begrudge this loan, possibly the permanent deal, for Corbyn to be able to operate in the market. Yet we're all encouraged by Sarmiento and Madger. I, 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 I am. Um, Madger looked really good in his half hour the other day. His, his touch and, and stuff was excellent. I'm really excited by him. Um, I'd like to see what else Corbyn can do. Obviously, now he'll still be limited, even with Gardner Hickman funds and whatever else is is there to scrape together for ideally two in. But you know, obviously he's, he'll have contacts in the game, and if he can make make it work, admittedly in January he couldn't. January's a hard window, but Chalaber and Albrighton didn't work, did it? Um, I think the two recruits so far will work. I'd like to think whatever else he can get in the next seventy-two hours will work. Um, and, and I just think that the calibre and quality of head coach who is through the door, the club have to try and make things happen for him. Now, of course, there's only so much the club can do 
um, in this in this current climate with Gaochan Lai, but yeah, just, just need to try and make it happen, don't they? And and Garnet, I mean, hope he can go and play well, play regularly and play well at Bristol City and well enough free Ralbin to think he's ready next season to be pushing and, and, and right there or for for obviously Bristol City to take it up, which wouldn't be the biggest shock, would it? No, no. And he, he's not going to be the first youngster to go and, and perform, you know, elsewhere. Coxie, uh, talk about this one briefly. Last week, uh, the rumour mill blew up on Kyle Bartley. Um, Kyle Bartley, he was, at one point, he was jobless. At one point, he was <laughs> jobless and training for free. And then the next thing, he was fit and available and named on the bench for Middlesbrough. Now, Talk to me about this. We, you know, we've seen the Twitter mill, you know, rumor mill blow up a number of times this summer. Um, I know it's something that you did sort of through the grapevine and sources and stuff. But well, we've got a question saying what happened from the supporters this week. So what are we any closer to to finding out what has gone on? Well, no, it, it was it was you know Bartley was never released. There was the it, he was in. He was training obviously available for selection the game there was a doubt on a joy he probably would have come in so in terms of that it was it was as you were now Bartley I think it goes without saying high high earner possibly top earner in terms of the playing squad that's no secret or surprise um look it goes without saying in an ideal world again very much on the category of he's not in the first 11 plans is he he's not in the starting lineup plans even with three center halves if Albion could work a deal where Bartley goes, I think everyone's happy. I I would I would think even Bartley. Um, you know, yes, yeah, some might say we're well, happy to take a, a good wage at Albion, but you know, not getting any younger is he needs to go and play. Um, so my understanding and what I think is that this is a case of Bartley's available to go, however, any interested club can strike a deal, make it work. Obviously, in terms of an Albion payoff next club taking on his his wages whatever it is um obviously he's up next summer barley um so i think there might have been within the rumor mill and wherever that started i think there may have been a bit of misinterpretation about barley being available on a free you know it'd been touted around to, let's to be honest, agents and clubs let's which be honest, happens, on that, which happens johnny yeah. has happened all summer happens with other players as well and you say that barley's available given how big situation He's in the same boat as every single Albion player, really, because for the right price, given the situation, yeah. every Albion player in that squad is, in inverted commas, available yeah. for yeah. the right but, price. However, with Bart, yeah, you're right. Um, however, there are what I would say 11, 12, 13 players who Coran wouldn't want to lose, no. clearly, at, at any point in the summer, let alone, you know, now three days before the, the end of the window. But as I've said all summer, you know, can't afford to be. Um, misty-eyed over this clearly you know if there are any players that aren't immediately racking up 30-odd league games this season you actively trying to you know work work the funds there balance the books uh, you know it goes about saying with Bartley you know, one of if not biggest earner without playing you know without without starting regularly it's it's absolutely not what Albion need right now so yeah it goes about saying that I, I'm I'm absolutely sure that the club will have been trying to work things to to make to settle it for everyone to get a get a new club and perhaps I don't know this is definite but perhaps things were, were happening in terms of talks with a club with the agent and you know 
goes without saying that's there's a likelihood of where that's leaked out and and things have got sort of misconstrued and sort of mixed messages and stuff but there was no point he was you know released or paid off you know it'd be yeah paid off can you know, that that was the word at one point wasn't it paid off and allowed to train for his fitness yeah. i think if you know, you're i think if you're you know i listen to a lot of podcasts with those sort of lower down footballers and um for bags walkers fans and i listen to under the cost with john parker and they talk about players you know league one league two players you'll have league two players who, who, who might be paid up but that's a while ago now it's very rare that players will be paid off in the current think, um, situation yes. it'll either be you know a club will come in and pay a small fee or there'll be a loan deal or transfer the wages or like if so. the if the wages are right on the bottom end of the spectrum and it's better for the player and for the club for the player to go they'll get paid up but someone like Bartley a top in you know if Albion were to pay him up I would be awfully surprised it's not about finding a few quid down the back of the sofa is it you know at, at any time especially this time when there's no few quid down the back of the sofa so um yeah non-starter obviously you know, checked out and Bartley was in in the club training preparing for Boras you know with his teammates like I say, I'm I'm not saying that things weren't trying to be progressed behind the scenes to work something, but look, as it as it as it went and as it is now, um, nothing to our understanding, nothing was close to coming off. Um, but yeah, that, so so that's how it was. Yeah, just just a rumor started that was that was incorrect in terms of him being released, and uh, and that's where it got to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just on a, on a couple of other points in terms of youngsters, um, Jamie Andrews has gone out on loan to Grimsby Town and Kevin Mavamba has got a, a, his first professional contract. Someone who, who is impressing very much down at the Hawthorns Cox. You've seen him a lot more than me. Um, so, you know, sounds like he's got a big future at the Hawthorns. Yeah, we were there for that 21s game last week, weren't we? Sorry, not me and you, but I was there. Um, that three-all draw, draw with Blackburn, who have a very good academy, by the way, and, and what a goal. I'm sure you've saw a replay of his goal, Johnny, from, from that night, the volley from outside the box. And, and that's not really his game, you know, really is a combative midfielder who gets around, breaks up play, can use the ball, but showed his ability with it there with that. You know, he was still 16 then, by the way, obviously 17 last Friday when he signed his first pro deal. Um, I, I think we can be sort of encouraged and satisfied by... You know, the bright young thing at that age group at the club signing on and not been you know, snapped up elsewhere before Albin have even got the chance to hand out a pro. Don't get me wrong, you know, the contract doesn't mean he won't attract and draw interest and a a bid further down the line, but obviously gives Albin that sort of security and and comfort. But it's you know, we've seen it, haven't we, with Whitwell, um SEO Sasule, who came in from Celtic. Um, scored a good goal for yeah. the 21s yeah. last season, signed a, a pro on his 18th as well. So in the last 12 months, we've seen a few examples of, of the brighter things being tied down to a deal. Um, yes, we've seen, was it Jamaldine Jimmo join Villa, wasn't it, this summer? Young 15, 16-year-old midfielder. Obviously, Rico Richards was a was an interesting one, wasn't he? Um, being, being let go and then, you know, moving over to, to Bodymore Heath. You know, that well-trodden path for the youngsters. But yeah, in terms of Mufuamba, um, high, high hopes. I saw a report actually saying that there was um, yeah, sort of Premier League interest and, and that happens. You know, Mufuamba's got 
England youth honours. Yeah, he's turned out for was it sixteens or the eighteens? I think right. of England. Um, and when that happens, you know, you will have scouts of all clubs looking at you. That goes without saying. So, um, yeah, big deal, big deal. And um, Carlos Corbin's a big fan. He made a point, clear point that this was high on the agenda before his summer holidays. So, Alvin have got it in works and got it done. So, yeah, that's that's a that's a big one. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think we're close to seeing him in the first team ranks, particularly. Don't get me wrong, if Albion have a favourable FA Cup draw in Jan, one of them where he might, you know, might make the bench and might get on for a for a senior bow, and that'll be nice. But um, you know, and maybe Whitwell's in the same category now, a year older, I think. Yeah, a year older. So yeah, a couple of real ones, bright ones to you know keep an eye on and hopefully see progress. Yeah, hopefully. Um finally, just before we get on to adverts, questions, announcements. Um, Action for Albion uh, postponed a, a recent uh, their latest sort of what do I want to say I don't want to say uh, protest well yeah protest um, their okay. latest sort of protest action um, in their bid for, for Albion to be sold um, they are as Albion fans would have seen it's been all over social media this week that they're they're planning a, a day of action um, ahead of the well ahead and in in the middle of the uh, the clash with Huddersfield on Saturday uh, there's going to be Volunteers giving out ten thousand leaflets before the game, um, sort of explaining why and how the the action for Albion and supporters groups want a full sale of the football club. Now, obviously, Gauchy Martin wants to sell the club, um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in the question section. Um, they're calling for a full sale. Ten thousand leaflets will be given out, and they'll all be held up in the twelfth minute of the game. Action for Albion are appealing for for more volunteers to step forward and to to give them give them flyers out at the uh, at the game. Um, so if you are are willing to do that and you want to do a a little bit of work with them before before the clash on Saturday, just get in touch with them via the social media channels. Action for Albion, um, they're on Twitter and I know they're on Facebook as well. So give them a give them a message and 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 get involved in their in their good cause. That you know they're not going away. They've done some fantastic work. I know they met with the West Midlands Mayor Andrew Street last week or the week before. Um, yeah, continuing to continuing to bang the drum for Albion's situation. Uh, well, it's good to hear about constructive talks there, isn't it, Johnny? And and just um, just a quick one on that. I know um, you're handing out 10,000 leaflets is no small feat, is it? It's no no easy thing. So especially pre-game, you know, people are busy and rushing around. So I know they're after best part of 100 volunteers and they've, they've got, you know, they've got well over half of that. So they've drummed up real interest, good little movement. Um, they, they, they specifically timed this one, didn't they, for, as you say, Johnny, for after the uh, transfer window to... You know, gauge gauge where that is but obviously they're making a point about a full sale um uh, you know obviously we know gacha and wants to you know he's looking for a sale and action for Arbin, his big push is uh, about it being a, a full sale of the club they obviously see that as as most important and i will be speaking to them later on for, for a piece as well so keep an eye out for that yeah fantastic great way keep it up um time for an advert now that baggies broadcast and all our podcasts here at MA are brought to you proudly by our sponsor the kettle and toaster man um and what we're going to talk about this week Cox. So we talked about a load of different things haven't we in recently we talked about air fries talked about things for your floor hoovers you know blenders was another one we're going to talk about what is in the title today i think one we just talk about what i need and what i want really um, I was just going to ask if they uh, if they do any wedding rings, Johnny. I guess that, that could... <laughs> you've left that a bit late, pal, I think. You've left that a bit late. <laughs> yeah, you've left that a bit late. I'm sure anyone listens to the Bags broadcast who's coming... Coxie's getting married week on Saturday, um, for anyone who didn't realise. I'm sure um, Kettler Toasterman might get a spike 
in in wedding gift. Oh yeah, purchases now you might have. Yeah. Yeah, anyone anyone listens to the baggage broadcast is lucky enough to get a get an invite to Coxie's wedding. If you if you're struggling <laughs> for a wedding present, get yourself down to Kettle and Toaster Man. There's a, they, there's uh, a funny. There's a. I won't I won't go into it. There's a funny uh, Express and Star Sports Desk anecdote regards me and a kettle, and I'm not going to relay it on here. You may not know it, Johnny, but it, I'm not I'm not going to relay it. Yeah, I know it. Briefly because it, it features a, a a rival competitor. So, uh, but yeah, I but. Let's safely say I'm okay for a kettle, but uh, you know, oh, I'll take a kettle and toaster man toaster. Yeah, yeah. I need a kettle to be fair. That's why I've gone for for, for picking out one of the products today. My kettle's it's on the blink a little bit, so I'm gonna have to get along to the kettle and toaster. But he's got plenty of them kettles. Uh, one one here you can get yourself. Well, you can get your hands on a Tower Infinity Stone three kilowatt kettle for just forty pound, and that's just one of a host of graded products they've got down there. Graded product specialists are. Catlin Toastman with a host of fantastic brands. Um, so yeah, if you're uh, if you're in need of something for your kitchen or for your house, get along to Thorns Road in Briley Hill, Catlin Toastman at UK. And if you are going to Coxie's wedding, he's expecting an air fryer. So get along, get on, get online <laughs> Johnny, and get him an air fryer. Um, as I was eating my dinner last night with the uh, better half, uh, I mentioned uh, your good self and this segment of our podcast because we had some wonderful sausages from the air fryer, mate. Oh. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's just food. It's just food, food and food and tactics as podcast, I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. The food and tactics pod. Yeah. If if this is doing anything for any of our listeners, get down there. Get yourself yeah. an air fryer. I, you know, and does wonders for the old sausages. Oh uh, yeah. And just yeah, less washing up, dead easy. But thank you very much, Kettle Toasterman, for your continued support of the podcast. Headlong, as we said, to Kettle Toasterman at Cody UK. Get your hands on some uh, some of their brilliant, brilliant products. Right, we're going to rattle through some questions because we've been going for almost an hour now and we've still got a little bit to talk about right at the end of the show. Um, start with John Wilkins. Hello, a lot of players are out of contract next summer. Bartley, Kipra, Kelly, Peters, Ingram, Chalaber, Mauer, Phillips, Reach, Fellows, Andrews, Malcolm. Christ, that's a mouthful. Um, do you see any of these being given new deals? Um, who would you give new deals? Is the club in a position to resign these players? Um, might be here for a um, long time talking about all of that, John, but... In, in a nutshell, um, not many of them. I wouldn't have thought. In a nutshell, chiefly because of the financial position and because some of those players would be viewed as not part of the plans moving forward. No, um, I suppose it all depends on this season as well, Cox. If Albion, yeah, you know, if Albion go up, yeah. then potentially. Um, well, you know, obviously we'll have a promotion party before this, won't we, Johnny? So, um, you know, <laughs> it's, positive it's, uh, mental yeah, attitude. I love it. The, the landscape could change. But no, um, look, the, there was minimal movement in terms of end of contracts last summer. Some are just gone, weren't there? About four, including you know, Livermore being the main one. But this is clearly the, the end of a cycle is next summer for a lot of these players, most if not all of these players, I would say. I wouldn't include the young players. It was Tom Fellows mentioned there and Ingram Tom and Fellows, stuff. Yeah, Ingram, slightly yeah. different conversation, but certainly for the senior ones. Um, no, I mean... If Matt Phillips can maintain this form and stay injury free, I know he's not an ideal age, but that becomes an interesting conversation, I would yeah. say. Um, Some of the likes that's, you know, that's only if we can see this consistently and, yeah. and injury free. But no, I'm not expecting it. I, I'm expecting the club to. No, no, I'm, I, I joke about promotion party. I've, 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 we've said a few weeks ago, haven't we, yeah. on our predictions that we think Albion can, can make hope and think Albion can make the, play, the playoffs. Um, the likelihood, I suppose, is that Albion are a championship club next season and, and we don't know as it stands the situation about the ownership. So the 
the cloth will have to be cut. You know, the the monies will be have to manage more, and and that will be a massive part of it next next summer when those you know that most of those players are released. So I I wouldn't expect many at all to to be kept on them. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for your question. Kieran Gibson, um, seen lots of criticism over substitutions, but with the lack of depth in the squad and the need to save our better players before risking burnout soon, what other options does Carlos Corran have? There's no way Matt Phillips is putting in performances like that on Saturday for another 42 games without picking up an injury. It's a good point, Kieran, and I suppose that's what he wants to try and address maybe in the last couple of days before the yeah. the window slams shut. I, I'm glad this has been brought up. Was it Kieran? Sorry, who asked this. Yeah, Kieran. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks to Kieran. I, I meant to touch on this earlier when we were talking about Borough, actually, but um, I know you weren't there, Johnny. But it fitted for the the previous home game, Swansea, and you'll have read your reaction to it from from fans, I'm sure. But does this um, does this school of thought? And again, I'm not. I, I don't disagree with it entirely, but that in essence, Albion fall apart when Yukushlu gets taken off. Um. And, and and have yeah. done in these home games, and I don't, I don't know if I agree or disagree. I, I don't know if it's happened at two home games and it's a coincidence. Oh, I don't really think that's the case. I mean, you got you look at the Leeds game, and and Okai had a stinker really, didn't he? Up at Ellen Road, um, was taken off and and, and yeah, couldn't really good. handle handle Leeds's press. He, he really struggled. Um, now, I. I I, uh, I, whenever Carlos is, at, is asked about the changes specifically and why he made these subs, it's he is as firm as firm can be about this is tactically, this is what I thought was best for the game. You know, it wasn't for a breather. Whether he's just pulling the wool and it's half about giving someone like Kushlu a breather, I don't know. You wouldn't think that would be the case at, at this part of the season, would you? Uh, you think they'd be relatively fresh. So it's always with a tactical mind on. Um, now, as we've seen, though, what was it? Saturday, three-one up against ten men, and um, and Albion struggled, didn't they? Really struggled for for a period, and then it became three-two. Uh, they they do seem to be more open when he comes off the Turk, um, without that sort of shield. Now, Malumbi can do that, and the replacement should be able to do that. I think he made a point about Alex Moat coming on and looking after the ball, which is obviously Moat's strength. Um, I thought Mo did okay when he came on, actually. But yeah, I, I do think we've seen a bit of evidence of Albion being open without Okai um, and, and teams being able to take advantage of that. Bora made good changes as well, by the way. Their their subs worked for them. Isaiah Jones was one, the winger, electric, and and others came on as well. Can't quite remember. And Swansea did the same, bringing Charlie Patino on in midfield around the time I think Albion may have took, taken Okai off. So. It's a mix, a mix of both, but I, I can see, I, I understand, and I can see the calls for fans wanting to see him stay on, or at least if it's free one, keeping him on until 75, 80, rather than 60, 65. You know, um, it's an interesting debate, and um, yeah, we'll have to see how it goes on Saturday in a home game that you know you'd fancy Albion for, and see if 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 you could lose sort of kept on for a, for a bit longer. Yeah, um, another question now. Um, sorry, I was just clicked on a. On a different screen there. Um, it's regarding the takeover. And the question has come from da, 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 Kevin Green. Are there any rumours leads on a takeover? It's going a bit quiet on that front lately, Coxie. We had uh, Fred yeah. and Alvin. Some fans will jump at me on this, but cryptocurrency guy, or he was part of his business was in cryptocurrency. Um, yeah. And then we obviously had the 
the two before that who were linked. Um, any any rumblings? Uh, not 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 that not not newsworthy in the uh, public sphere, mate. But again, we've said before, haven't we? When it comes to takeovers, uh, these credible ones and credible negotiations and you know, serious moves tend to stay under the wraps, don't they? Um, that tends to be the case. Across Be surprising the if there wasn't. No, Johnny. No, no. Um, I mean, we had when we talked about the Andy Street meeting with Action for Albion earlier, and and uh, Nicola Richards as well, wasn't it? There was, um, there was talk within that about interested parties and things to be optimistic about at the club for prospective interested parties. Um, so yeah, no, nothing to report of of late. Obviously, you know, if 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 there was, we'd. Yeah, we'd obviously bring it out there as, as soon as we could. Um, but from my understanding and experience, and uh, you know, I've been told by others as well. Um, yeah, when when serious people come to the table, and look, I'm not I'm not saying that I know for definite that serious people are at the table. I'm I'm just saying that from what you hear and understand, and I think was was um did did Mark Miles meet one of the um Mark Miles and and Ian Skidmore met Remember with one Warwick of the groups. Baggies, yeah, Warwick was it, Baggies. Was it Warwick Baggies? Yeah, yeah. I think that was a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it, Johnny? And, and again, I know reports from there was of Mark Mars speaking of interested parties. And you're not going to come out you know, for for my money, come out and say this if it isn't the case. Yeah. Yes, it might. You know, may, maybe see. And also, he's not going to come out and say so and so is interested. They're from X. They make money from X. No, their star sign is whatever. You know, you know, you're not going to get details of who they are. I've said before as well, and I know Albin might not be the most attractive upstairs at the moment, but for the um, for the reported fee that we understand for the club for being available for it, I think for any serious um, people in the game looking to to come on board and do something properly, I think it's an attractive prospect. So, so yeah, um, quiet on that front. But um, as we've said before, quiet on that front doesn't mean things aren't you know, moving forward, ideally. Yeah. Um... Right, a few more questions just before we, we wrap up. This one from Mark Davis. Um, I know he's a regular listener to the podcast. Thanks for getting in touch, Mark. This will wrap up basically our transfer deadline day preview and about four other questions. Um, to both of you, who do you think may leave the club this week? Can you see a couple more coming in? Right, Coxie, in terms of outgoings, you know, we said Bartley's available. Are we going to see a departure of Chalaba? Because he's one who's been talked about quite a lot. If you'd have asked me before last week, I'd have, I'd have said yes. Um, I think I think we're still in a territory of ideally yes. I don't I don't think we're too late into that. I think it could be the case that if there's late interest and Albion can make it happen, they will to get you know to work on another one. I'm sure it's the case that Albion, you know, Corbrand's got eventualities lined up that if late bids firmed up in X, late interest is firmed up with a bid for X, then we can move on Y. Do you know do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Um, but as it stands, as as it stands, from what the head coach has said, I don't expect central midfield. I think he'd only go if if they could replace him with someone lined up and, and ready in this short period. So as it stands, I don't expect a central midfielder. Um, obviously, let one go in Gardner Hickman because he's content enough with numbers and depth and things like that. But look, Chalaber's not part of the first eleven plans, is he? If everyone's fit, he's not getting in the side. Um, though we did start on the opening day, obviously. Um, so yeah, if if there's a viable bid, then uh, you know I, I'm pretty sure it'd be listened to. But yeah, it, is is it out there? R- remains to be seen. Not that we're uh, aware of at the minute. 
Yeah, just on other ones. We've seen Jamie Andrews as a youngster go out and go. Are we expecting Caleb Taylor to go the same way? We haven't really seen him evolved, you know, despite no, the um, successful he, 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 was asked about Taylor and spoke at length, didn't he? And, and in essence, in a nutshell, the answer was he's got to decide. Yeah, Corbran has to decide whether... He's not going to be short of suitors, I imagine. No, no, no. Uh, the, the point Corbran made was quite tactical. It was like, look, if we send him out to the top end of League One, he's going to do what he did last season, play loads of games in a back. Uh, did he say back? He said back three or back two. He was talking about it tactically, not necessarily being the best. Yeah, um, yeah more of what Caleb's already experienced type thing yeah. now, and suggesting that look, being around the group, being on the bench every now and then, and training every day may be more beneficial. Yeah, now it may not, and this is something Corbin's got to weigh up, and you know maybe listen to what the player thinks, like, uh, the players' party and stuff. Um, it'd be an interesting one to see that. It will. Um, uh, I think I think if everyone's fit and available, Kyle Bartley plays in a league game before Caleb Taylor, um, which obviously suggests he's bottom of the pecking order in terms of senior options. So uh, I, I think alone could be could be beneficial, but I see the other side of it in terms of um, him being around the, the training and, and and being on the bench when he can when there's an injury and stuff, you know. So uh, yeah, it'd be an interesting one to keep tabs on that. I think in terms of departures, I mean, again it. Don't know right at this second what where the interest is on him in terms of firming it up with bids and and things like that. But Grady D and Garner, as as we've reported all summer, is the is the one that Albion would. I'm not saying love to move on, but is the one that Albion would love to to work and get out the door if they can. He's you know, he's back to sort of training uh, availability now. I thought he might have been involved on the bench at Borough against Borough actually, but um, just because of the interest that has been in him. Um, presumably what clubs would pay in a fee for him. Now, Albion were looking at quite a healthy fee for Dean Garner, as we reported earlier in the window, um, region of five million plus, five, six, seven million. Whether that's had to come down because of the stage we're at and whether uh, you know interested clubs wouldn't meet at that. But um, no, it's no secret, as we reported. that. And again, Dean Garner's in that boat, isn't he? Like we said, he's not, he's not in the, if everyone's available, Dean Garner's not starting, is he? And that's not, that's not to say Corbyn doesn't rate him or anything like that. He just doesn't see it. And Albin see him as a saleable asset that isn't isn't flying it for the first 11 at the moment. So um, if, if something could happen there between now and, and Friday night, then then it will. And I think yeah, that, that could be the trigger for, you know, ideally, certainly a second one that Corbyn wants and, and maybe more. Like it's, it's hard to say exactly what it would do to the finances. You know, it doesn't mean that, oh, well, I've received a healthy fee for Grady Dean Garner. That healthy fee is available to go and get a player in it. It really doesn't doesn't go or work like that and won't work like that at the moment. However, it would obviously bring in some decent funds and it would it would create some you know, pretty significant wage room as well, wouldn't it? So um, in an We're ideal world. at least two in as well, Cox. Yeah, that, that's, what, that's what Corbyn wants. Yeah, now... I'd 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 expect a, a first to happen. Um, a second works in an ideal world, I would say. Though, is that dependent on another going? You know, quite quite possibly. And if a significant one goes, you know, we we're just talking about Dean Garner, then could it stretch to another? You know, I'm sure Corbran and Ian Pierce will try um, yeah. as much as they can. But yeah, I think that I think the head coach would be probably a bit disappointed if he couldn't get two. He's outlined that's what he, he he wants and thinks the squad needs. So 
Um, so yeah, I I, I expect right right back. Yeah, it, it's pretty clear when you look at the squad, but right back, right wing back to be be the one. Furlong has little competition, does he, in the group? Does young Ethan Ingram and that's it? And he's not played, you know, football, you know, not played championship football. He needs someone there desperately um, to push and compete for it with Furlong. Absolutely do. Everyone knows that. Um, and, and as I say, in that sort of earlier we were touching on with Swift, just to push that that forward department and, and be another option to Sarmiento Swift, Wallace, you know? Yeah, no, watch this space on that. And, you know, we'll be back tomorrow, Friday, with a lot, an awful, I'm expecting it to be one of the busiest deadlines for a while for Alpine. So we'll be back with that. Um, Banks, you've got a load of questions in. We've run out of time about them. I'm going to finish with this one, though, Coxie. And our, our resident quiz master, t- old TJ Smithy, he's got a rival. He's got a rival oh, yeah. coming out of the woodworks. So TJ Smithy will return in the coming weeks. We just had a bit of a busy schedule. Cox has been off, I've been off. We've had various different bits and bobs. Um, but and I apologise for the, the pronunciation of your name. Anders Grotter has got in touch. Now, Anders Grotter is a Norwegian-based Baggies fan. We've got we've gone global, Coxie. We've gone global. <laughs> I'm worried about um, it. So Anderson got in touch. Johnny, quiz question, since I know you love them. Only two players have made a direct transfer to Albion from the leagues of my native Norway. Who are they? Hints. Both transfers were in the 21st century. None of them were Scandinavian. One had a major impact. The other one, not so much. Good luck. Anders, this has been pickling my head all morning since I read it this morning while walking my dog about 6.30 this morning. Now, I've got one. I've got the I've got the one who had a major impact. I think, I think it was Robert Corrin because he came from Lillestrøm, um, which I know is a Norwegian Premier League team. Yeah, but Excellent. the other one, I it has, I I've probably spent about three hours this morning trying to work this out, and I can't for the life of me work it out. So I want Anders to get back in touch with us um, once he's hopefully he listens to the this episode, so he can hear his question being read out. Um, get back in touch with us, and we'll read it out on next week's podcast. One, I want to read it out, and two. I want to know the answer, which I'm sure an Albion fan will probably tweet us in the meantime. Some Albion oh, yeah, please do. who will find it out. So, um, yeah, fantastic. Thank you very much for that. But other Baggies fans, thanks for your questions. I know a lot of them have been covered by what we've already talked about. So I really appreciate that. Coxie, we can finally, move some on to Monday's pod, can't we, Johnny? We certainly but, uh, can as well. Actually, there's some uh, timeless. We're doing another podcast uh, Monday, early next week. Um, there's some timeless questions, so we'll uh, we'll answer them on there. Uh, right, I'm going to wrap this up briefly. We'll do 30 seconds on the end at Huddersfield. But, Coxie, do you reckon the Albion fans have guessed it by now? Who our special guest, Baggy's man, is going to be? I know, um, I know I gave a big clue, big clue earlier, Johnny. I was also going to say, you know, when we were speaking about Albion Borough, you know, link link those two. To, we're talking about former managers. Link yeah. those two together. And Albion. that might be another big old thing. Al- Albion Borough. Um, Probably the last, the last West Brom manager to have Premier League success. And the man who's who, who's talked about this on the podcast pioneered the wearing of a, a cap and trainers on the sideline. It's all the rage, isn't it, with the, the Premier League managers <laughs> these days. We sat down yesterday with uh, with Tony Pulis um, joining us on the Baggies broadcast, give up um, a ra- almost an hour and 45 minutes of his time to talk about his managerial career. A little bit on his early managerial days, but almost all of the podcast on Albion. And to be fair, Cox, it was, it was a pretty fascinating fascinating discussion and and some 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 pretty good revelations and some good honesty on there about his about his time yeah. at Albion. Yeah, it was cracking, wasn't it? We uh 
Yes, I, I was going to say too. Uh, we we certainly heard from Tony Pulis. We didn't quite see him, did we? The, uh, the no, uh, no, we can't. The, the couldn't cam- get the camera cam- working. Camera on um, the old teams uh, didn't quite uh, yeah. load up from his end, but we got his voice most importantly for an audio. Yeah, we have to say a big thank you to that to Mrs. Pulis, Debbie Pulis, who we could hear in the background who helped him with yeah. the, the technicals of that. Although we did keep him, he did say yeah, we kept him longer than his his wife um, thought because I think she wanted to go for her afternoon walk. Um, <laughs> it was very yeah. so candid though and honest wasn't he and, very and, generous um, at this time happy to speak on all, all manner of subjects uh, fascinating listen I, I, obviously he's he's hung up his cap now hasn't he Johnny he's he's, uh, he has indeed. he's he's officially retired as of the start of this year and um, now he's, he's sort of moved into the media work hasn't he does, does a bit of five live doesn't he um, uh, but but mostly you know his grandparent to seven seven grandchildren seven, and, yeah, um, yeah. and walking did you say walking walking the dog down on the south coast didn't sound too bad did it um, yeah he's got his got his feet up but he spoke on some great points did he you know there's probably about 20 25 minutes um i know he, he spoke about it briefly on another podcast a few months ago but really laid out the side of berahino saga which i thought was was fascinating talked about his best ever signing coming at albion um, we'll keep that one under wraps that'll be one you can listen to on the podcast but a load of things, you know, obviously he was in charge when Gouch and Lai took over the club, spoke about Jeremy Peace, spoke about Gouch and Lai and a little bit about the owners. Um, Matthew Phillips, who we talked about earlier in the podcast. Um, the player players, no, Johnny? Obviously, the, play, yeah. Which, yeah. which is a, a talking point when Some it comes really to really spoke a lot about Carlos Corbran, which will be coming up. We're going to put it out in two parts. So, um, as we explained, is a little bit one for your diaries, Albion fans. So, we've got... Coxie's obviously got his getting hitched big day week on Saturday and he's got a few weeks off I don't know where where he's going on his where are you going Coxie Caribbean is it or Thailand Johnny Thailand Southeast Asia he's globetrotting this boy so for the next couple of weeks going to be bringing you two podcasts one is going to be part one of Tony Pulis which will be next week two there'll be a shortened half hour version with me and Coxie later next week following week it will be part two of Tony Pulis um, and then a short Albion podcast with me and a guest of some sorts, who is yet to be asked or announced. Um, he's not a formula player or, or manager, so don't get <laughs> excited. And then the following week, um, potentially it might be someone else in the hosting chair and I might be taking um, Coxie's role. Um, yeah, I miss, but hopefully I miss I'm not, not going to go after got... sitting in a cold office in Wolverhampton where he is right <laughs> now. We've got, we've got one more pod pre uh, uh, me getting hitched, as, as Johnny said, and I, I missed three games, don't I, on the old honeymoon. I'm, there's a three-game week of Bristol City, Watford, and on the Wednesday, and then who's the home game? Millwall. Millwall. Yeah, Millwall. I miss I miss those three. So I'll leave leave them in your capable hands, Johnny, and you can yeah I'll, you can keep me updated on the old WhatsApp if you fancy. You know I'll uh, once once the games are finished and yeah fingers crossed. But I think I'm I'm back for Preston away at the end of September. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look out for them once Baggies fans are bringing you bringing you a little preview on Monday of the. The Tony Pulis part one. Um, and we've also potentially got another another decent Albion name joining us in a couple of weeks' time. And that one um will be out as a bit of a bonus in the coming weeks. Hopefully, fingers crossed. We the, the Tony Pulis one will be a long time in the making. Um, so uh we're keeping this one uh, under wraps. Coxie, literally 20 seconds, 10 or 20 seconds on Huddersfield, basically a game that Albion, you know, home form. Even a gra- even a ground out result would be good, but I can't imagine it'll be that. I, I can give what's happened, I expect goals. Yeah, popular away manager visiting the Hawthorns, isn't it? Um, <laughs> look, it, it was Huddersfield at home last season, 1-0, wasn't it? And it was ground out. I think Albion got the win. They beat Huddersfield and Wigan, didn't they? And it were 
sort of unconvincing in both, but but got the win. Um, I'll take a clean sheet. Oh, I wouldn't mind one or two nil, Johnny, to be honest. But mm. Albion will be expected to win. Huddersfield have had a struggling start. I mean, they'd have had a tough summer window like Albion. Uh, Albion should be expected to win, and I think they will win. And I'd like a clean sheet to see us off into the uh, into the international break and to see me off to Thailand. So two nil, please. Two nil, please from Coxie. Hopefully, I'm going to go three. Three, three, one. Ooh, three, three, one. three, one. Um, also, no clean sheet, Johnny, no? And, uh, no, I'm not backing for a clean <laughs> sheet. Um, I am also very much looking forward to hearing my favourite ever Neil Warnock chant on Saturday, um, which I cannot repeat on this podcast because it contains some expletives, but I'm sure the Baggies fans will know what I'm talking about. Um, but there we go. Back at the Hawthorns again on Saturday. A brilliant win this week. Now we're in for a mad 48 hours. Um, if we get to Sunday with some new faces and three points, what a weekend it will be. Thank you very much again for listening to the Baggies broadcast. And until next time, from me and from Coxie, boy, boy. Bye, bye.